0: We talked about bringing some sanity back into your business finances with the Profit Answer Man. You don't want to miss this one. Rocky Lalvani shares how to bring some soberness back into entrepreneurship with this catchy phrase. Top line is vanity. Bottom line is sanity. Cash is always king. You don't want to miss this one. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives, the show that's made for Christian entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about everything from faith to business principles to family life to profitability to strategy to tactics to self-care. If you need it, we'll talk about it. I'm your host, Priscilla Shumba. Without wasting any more time, let's dive into our conversation. Today we have an amazing guest. We have the Prophet Answer Man. Rocky, please introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Hi, I'm Rocky Lalvani. It's a pleasure to meet you all. I work with small business owners and I help them with their financials because what I have found is that most business owners love what they do and none of them signed up to be accountants and bookkeepers and financial planners or figuring that part of it out. And so a lot of business owners struggle with the business of business, which was really kind of eye-opening to me that that was the case. I just assumed all business owners were great at the business of business. But then I learned, no, they all have something they really love to do. And it's usually something else.
0: Wow. Really insightful. I totally understood you when you said that, because you get into business because you love doing something and you love serving people, but you can't be in business sustainably with your sanity if the finance is on drive. Right.
1: Wow. And that is very true. <laughs>
0: So we're so happy to have you here, Rocky, because I think you're really going to inform our audience about what we can do to make this process smoother and more profitable, right?
1: That is the goal. We like to do things easier, not harder.
0: (laughs) How did you get into being a profit first professional?
1: So I have a convoluted journey like most people probably. As a kid, I was very entrepreneurial, always figuring out ways to make a buck. And I was also very technology oriented in a time before the desktop computer was the norm. So I kind of grew up with computers just coming of age, and I remember playing around with spreadsheets when I was in high school and and just being able to help accountants go from paper ledgers to electronic spreadsheets. And then I went to college, and I did what I was supposed to, and I got a job, and I kind of got out of the entrepreneurial space, because I couldn't figure out how to use my talents to the advantage of the business owner. I couldn't figure out how do I communicate with them? How do I tell people that I can build spreadsheets and interpret them? And I didn't realize how big of a market that was. Now, you have to understand this is all pre-internet. So, you know, today, information is easy to come by. Back then, you know, if you wanted to talk to somebody, you Went to the yellow pages and you found a phone number and you made a phone call. And it's like, I don't even know who to call, who to say this to, and, and how to explain it. And then I went and I built my wealth using a lot of the the same principles that are in profit first. And then I kind of came to the think like, okay, I've done this, but it's not really what I love. What would I really love to do? And so then I got back into the financial teaching side. So the two areas that I loved are like the, the tech and the spreadsheets and the money. But I never felt comfortable on the money side because most people who were in the financial business were selling products that I just I could never sell to my friends or family. They made money, but the people who were buying the products didn't do well with them. And so I finally learned about financial coaching. And so that's where I kind of started to pivot to. So helping people with building wealth through just simple processes. And then through that was kind of where I became aware that the business owners weren't looking at their financials. And I was like oh my God, this is crazy. And I was like, this is the people that I can serve. This is a market that needs help and is willing to pay for help. And it's my natural talent. So that's kind of where that final journey came. And then it was like, well, do I build my own systems or do I partner with somebody? And so I looked at a lot of different partnership opportunities. And the one that I found that met with my values the most in the way that I wanted to do things was the profit first team. They give you a lot of freedom and they give you a lot of support. And so that was kind of where that final marriage came. I quit the corporate job and said, I'm going to go do what I want instead for once in my life.
0: I think a lot of people can identify with that story because a lot of times we do have that talent, gift, and you just can't understand how to monetize it. Rocky, let me understand exactly what is profit first?
1: Profit First is a book that was written by Mike Michalowicz. Mike Michalowicz is a serial entrepreneur. And actually, one of the businesses that he owned a while ago was the company that went in and did the financial investigation of Enron. And yes, they were guilty. He sold that business and he walked away with his big payday, right? And over the next two years, he lost all his money. And he's like, well, wait, I thought I was a smart business guy. How did this happen? How do I go from seven figure payout to they're repossessing my cars? And he started to really think about what are the the processes of running a business. And he's got a ton of different books in the business space. The one that really kind of took off dramatically was profit first. And what Mike realized, he had an aha moment. He goes, the accountant's giving me the wrong equation. So the accountant says that according to industry standards, the equation for profit is sales minus expenses equals profit. Well, in that case, profit is last. It's a leftover. He's like, all of us go into business to make a profit. Why aren't we taking profit first? And so he changed the equation and said, we're going to do sales minus profit equals expenses. And so you have a business plan that says you're profitable. Take your profit up front and constrain your expenses. Too often as business owners, we spend too much. As people, we spend too much. So the system is designed to help you constrain your spending, and it also works in conjunction with your bad habits. So most business owners don't look at financial statements. They look at their bank balance. Do I have money? Do I need to sell? Or can I spend? And that's the question they ask themselves every day. And this system actually leverages those habits to help you to build a more financially sound business.
0: Mm, it makes sense. It, it absolutely makes sense.
1: Mike is truly a serial entrepreneur. So he's the visionary. In every company, there needs to be two people, right? There's the visionary and there's an integrator. So the visionary is the person who sells the big dream, who sees the big idea, who sees what others can't. But he's not a person who can get anything done. The person who gets stuff mm-hmm. done is the integrator. That's the person who takes that idea and turns it into reality. But the integrator can't see the big picture. So they need each other. It's kind of like they go together perfectly. And if you look at most large companies, you will see that. You will have the visionary who sells the story and then the guy behind the scenes who delivers the result. And so I think when you're the visionary, you lose sight of the metrics, you lose sight of the finances, you lose sight of the things that need to get told the client you're going to deliver X, but they're not the people who are good at delivering it. They need somebody to do that behind them.
0: What would you say then to the person who's just starting out, who is the visionary, who's supposed to be the integrator in order to be able to bring on a team?
1: So I think the first thing you need to figure out is which one are you naturally. We're naturally a visionary or we're naturally an integrator. Figure out which you are naturally and then figure out a way to get the other half. So for me, I'm a very good integrator. Mike and Profit First are my visionary model. They deliver the vision to everyone else. So I don't have to go out and convince people about the whole model, he's already going out and doing that. I just come in and help people implement. And I'm a solopreneur, right? Mm -hmm. But that was a perfect partnership. If you're the visionary, well, you've got to figure out how do you take your ideas and create some sort of a partnership where somebody else implements the integration part of it. And some people are more towards the middle, in which case you can do both. I'm learning to be more of a visionary, learning to create the stuff on that side of the table, little by little.
0: How are you doing that though, Rocky? I'm thinking that if you find yourself naturally inclined to the doing and making things happen, how then do you open your mind to be like, let me build up that visionary
1: side? You just take a step and you try and you fail and you mess up Mm. and you get a little bit better. Um, And there's, as you said, today, there's tons of information out there. And so- I think the first step is understanding who are you as a person, right? So I know I'm the integrator. So now I can either find a visionary or I can start to think about things a little bit outside my comfort zone. And then maybe taking a couple ideas and saying, well, hey, I could fix this problem that's out there. So as an integrator, I'm really good at fixing problems. So now it's just seeing the problem And it being a little bit more open with the visionary saying, hey, we've got a solution to the problem. But it's all baby steps. You show up, you try, you surround yourself with people who you go tell your integrator story to, and they help you create your visionary message. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing you can do. There are visionaries out there who can see what you're doing and help you tell your story. So that's part of your team then maybe.
0: Now, in working with entrepreneurs, Rocky, what have you found to be the common pitfalls when it comes to handling finances?
1: So I think the biggest pitfall is that most business people don't have a good financial system in place to begin with. So at the core is good bookkeeping. And I can go and look at 400 companies and I will have 400 bookkeeping systems and 400 ways of doing things. And Unfortunately, there there isn't as great a standard as there probably should be. So the first thing for a business owner is you've got to separate your personal and your business. They too shall not mix. And you've got to create systems and processes to do that. So even if you're a solopreneur and you're not an incorporated business, having one credit card that's just for business, even if it's your personal credit card, having a bank account that's just for your business so that everything that's coming and going in your business, you can see. Now, if you're not doing a ton of transactions every month, start with a spreadsheet. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're doing a, more transactions, well, then you'll need to use some software and there's different software out there, or you can find somebody to do it for you. Again, it's always trust, but verify. So make sure you have a good system of tracking your expenses and what you want to track to are two things. So number one, it's tracking to your tax return. There's a bunch of different categories within the tax return. So keeping track of expenses as they relate to taxes. And then the other thing is keeping track of expenses from the state of are you profitable or are you not profitable? So from the business side, are you making money? And that comes back to how are you pricing your products? Are you making sure all the inputs that go into the pricing are included, which I'll be honest with you, you can go to Fortune 500 companies and they have no idea whether or not a particular product is profitable they don't have the data to do it. So for the small guy, it's even harder. So it's it's understanding very well, if I offer a product for X, how much of my time, effort, and whether there's a cost to the materials in my service or product offering, what does that all add up to? And then what's the value to the customer? Because just because it costs you $100 to make something, it still might be worth $1,000 to the customer. And so... Don't charge $100 for something that's got $1,000 of value. I think a lot of entrepreneurs undercharge, and you really need to appropriately charge. Otherwise, you're going to struggle to be profitable.
0: You know, I totally understand when you say a lot of entrepreneurs undercharge, because one of the things that I think entrepreneurs we struggle with is just that confidence in charging a certain amount for our product or service. Because so then you think, oh, I'm just a little fish, and, you know, maybe to get clients, I should just. You know, go low and big problems. I can see the way you're shaking your head that you want to say something.
1: So here's the thing. When you charge a little bit, people who are willing to pay more no longer trust you because they don't think you're capable. So you're signaling to the world that you're not capable. The second thing is the type of clients you're going to get when you charge low are clients who want cheap services and are a pain in the butt. So you're going to end up with a client that drives you crazy, wants everything done for next to nothing and doesn't value you. When you double, triple and quadruple your rates, the market says, oh, they must be valuable. They must know what they're doing and they value you and they don't hassle you. Mm -hmm. And it's very counterintuitive, Um, but it's a lesson that all entrepreneurs have to learn.
0: Absolutely. That's a really, really important one. Just that confidence to know that you've put all this time to make a good product. If you're happy with the product and the quality of the product and the quality of the service, then be assured that you should charge for the value that you're providing. Now, Rocky, I wanted you to explain a little bit more. Because when you said we're going to put our profit first instead of putting our expenses first, and then we contain our expenses based on that equation, I'm thinking about how everything we do is kind of geared toward the other equation that you said is wrong.
1: Yeah. So let's take a step back. There are certain universal principles in the world that always apply. So an example is gravity, right? There is gravity in every part of the world that we live in today. If we go to the moon, there's gravity, right? It's a universal principle. There's a formula to it. There are a couple other universal principles. One of them is called Parkinson's law. Most people do not understand Parkinson's law. I've never heard of it. What Parkinson's law basically says is work will expand to the time allotted. All right. Same thing goes for money. When it comes to a project, whatever money you allot to a business, the business will use up all the money that you give it. Mm. And so it's a law on constraint. And so if I come to you and say, all right, we need to build a website. The first two questions that the salesperson asks are, what's your budget and how quickly do you need it done? Whatever you tell them, they'll do. If I say, I got 50,000 to build this website, we need it up and running in 90 days. Well, they'll take 50,000 and it'll take 90 days. If you tell them, hey, I've only got $1,000 to build this website and I need it next week, they'll find a way to get you a website for $1,000 and have it up and running next week. Mm. Now, people say, how is this possible? How do I constrain my expenses? There's another universal law that we all know. It's called the Pareto Principle, the 80-20 rule, right? 20% of what you do produces 80% of the results. 40% of what you do produces 96% of the results, which means you're wasting 60% to get 4%. Figure out what that 60% that you're wasting is and give up the 4% and let it go. And that's how you're constraining yourself. So most businesses usually right off the top, I can walk in and knock 10% off the top line of spending because you bought all these different softwares and you forgot about them, yet they're still getting charged to your credit card. You sign up for something and you're at the top tier level, but you're using the bottom tier features. Well, let's cut it. That happens all the time, you know, employees, you get employees and you know, there's that one employee you really should get rid of because they're not a fit for your organization and they drive everyone crazy, but yet we hesitate to make that choice. So all of these different things need to be thought through and those are the underlying principles. And then what Mike did was we actually set up and we constrain our resources. As it is, most business owners look at their bank accounts. So he said, okay, we're going to use bank accounts. And it's very simple to the envelope system that... Many people heard their grandparents use. You know, your grandparents would get their money, and what they would do is they take their money and they put some money in a rent envelope. They put some money in the grocery envelope. They put some money in the utility envelope. And when that money ran out, they stopped spending on that particular area and they learned to live within it. They constrain themselves. Well, we do the same thing for business. So all your money comes into the first account. We call that your income account. When you look at your income account, you know how much money you had generated in whatever period of time. And then we start allocating. So we put a certain percentage into profit, a certain percentage into your pay because the owner should get paid first. Most owners pay themselves last, which is absurd. You took the time, you took the risks, you put the effort in, you deserve to get paid first. Then there's taxes. We all forget about taxes, right? So we put money aside for taxes, And then whatever is left goes into operating expenses. And now you have constrained your operating expenses. You've made sure that you've covered your paycheck. You've made sure you've covered your profit. You've made sure you've covered taxes. And by constraining yourself, now you can appropriately spend. Now, some businesses have special circumstances, and we do all kinds of special things beyond that. But that's the core of the system.
0: Mm. And
1: on a regular basis, all we do is we look at our income account. And based on the percentages of where we're at today, we allocate money to the other accounts and then we constrain our spending. And over time, we go from where we are and we take tiny steps to slowly increase profit by maybe 1% a quarter. and We cut our spending 1% a quarter. Every business can cut spending 1% a quarter if they focus on it. And over time, you will find that you can cut your spending. It's just not something that business owners naturally think about. Everyone tells them they got to spend money to make money. And I don't think that's true. There are ways to make money without spending money. You just have to be more resourceful. And most businesses are very resourceful. They just have to get the screws pushed to them and constrained to be more resourceful. Because it's easy to spend money because we get lazy. That's
0: that's really, really true. Because a lot of times people say, oh, I can't figure out how to you know, fix my finances. And we're just thinking about, I can't figure out how to make more money and not how do I constrain my spending. For early entrepreneurs, you know, you start off bootstrapping and the moment you make money, it's like you throw away all the bootstrapping, keeping that being lean in your business model, even as you're generating more and more income. It sounds like that's what Profit First is about. Am I getting that right,
1: Rocky? It is. There are different levels of leanness, right? Mm. But you should always stay relatively lean because the reality is businesses face storms. And if you're lean, you're going to be able to face a storm. What happens to most businesses is they get fat and then the economy tanks or something happens and then they crumble. But the businesses that stay lean... When times get tough, they're already prepared and they have the extra resources to be able to survive the downturn while their competitors are getting wiped out. They can take over the market, and that's when they truly grow. So it's a long, slow process. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. There's no such thing as overnight success. Everyone's got 10 years of hustle behind them. Mm,
0: That's really true. Now you said... It's more important to focus on the bottom line than it is to focus on the top line. And how
1: do we do this? So we talk about top line is vanity, bottom line is sanity, catch is king. <laughs> right? like so that. your top line is the revenue that you bring in. And I will tell you, there, there's a guy out there who loves to talk about how he's got seven-figure funnels, right? Oh, we had a seven-figure launch. When you start sitting down and having a beer and a conversation with those people, you will find out that their seven-figure launch cost them seven figures. Mm. And so the bottom line is zero. Here they've been running like crazy. They made all these other people wealthy, you know, all the other people who had to help you with your launch or whatever your product. They all got paid, and at the end of the day, you had nothing to show for yourself. The bottom line is how much money can you remove from your business, whether it's your pay or your profit, how much of your business is benefiting you? And for most business owners, profit is an afterthought. It's an event. Profit is a habit. It is not an event. And you've gotta take the habit of paying yourself profit all along. So that's what the the bottom line is. It's how much money can you remove from your business after you've paid all your expenses? And hopefully it's not negative, meaning you've got to put money into your business or borrow. And too many business owners do that. Mm,
0: wow. Well, this is one of those habits I think everybody should just sit down and really begin to focus on because, like you said, you, we can get really romantic about our businesses. We can get swept away with the doing and get swept away with just the busyness of things because it's exciting sometimes and not really focus on like you said bringing some sanity into everything so thanks for that now Rocky you suggest that people should build wealth outside of their business now for the early entrepreneur like what would
1: that look like You know, for the early entrepreneur, a lot of times you're told you've got to reinvest everything back into your business. And there's a certain period of time for that, but I think it's extremely short. The reality is most businesses struggle to last three years. The ones that get to five years are, you know, a minority and getting out to 10 years is not usually the case. So if businesses aren't going to survive, well... Shouldn't you extract at least something from your business and have a cushion outside your business so that you have the ability to pivot, to rebuild, to, to handle the things that happen in life? I mean, running a business is a roller coaster. And if you've got wealth outside your business, then when times are lean in your business, you're not struggling at home, right? If you're struggling at home and in your business, it's a recipe for disaster, But if you can say, you know what, I built some wealth up. I have money outside my business. Maybe I've started a couple of different businesses. So taking money from one business to build another business, taking money from one business to build real estate and do something like that, or just having an emergency fund at home so that if your business doesn't pay you for six months, that your home life is not falling apart. You're able to breathe and think and you need to be in your best shape and your best thinking shape to help your business be in its best shape. And so that's why we like to have money outside the business to help you be as strong on your own.
0: What have you found to be the key lessons in achieving financial success?
1: One of the biggest things that happen is the process of compounding. So compounding is another principle that works in all areas of life. So nobody goes to the donut store, eats a donut, and gains 50 pounds, right? Mm. They go to the donut store and little by little, they gain weight. And the next thing you know, five, 10 years later, you're 50 pounds overweight. Money works the same way. Building wealth works the same way. You take little steps and You keep compounding them. Same thing happens with your skills. You know, you show up at the beginning, you don't have confidence, but you learn a little bit and then you learn a little bit more and learn a little bit more. And over time, your skills compound, your money compounds, your debt compounds, right? So this goes both ways. The principle is, is just to start small and to continue to compound your money. So if you took a penny and you doubled it every day for a little over a month, you would be shocked at how much you have. So if you took a penny and you doubled it every day for 32 days, how much money do you think you'd have? No, I have no idea. Yes. One penny doubled every day for just 32 days.
0: What, $50?
1: $50. You're a little low. Yeah. about it. You know, day one, you've got a penny. Day two, it's two cents. Then it becomes four cents, eight cents, 16 cents, 32 cents. And so in the beginning, it seems like nothing is happening. All of the compounding comes at the end of the curve. And so in the beginning of the curve, you know, that first week, you've got a dollar with your penny doubling barely. And you're like, I'm getting nowhere. So you give up. Mm. and that's the problem so you've got to just keep going and over time success happens and that's why it's that 10-year story right you keep showing up you keep doing the work and in the
0: beginning it's like ah, oh, it's a penny you know mm-hmm. and a week later it's like yeah it's like a couple of dollars and then you're like this is not working
1: no <laughs> and and actually so to get date Day 12 and a half is when you get to $50,
0: yeah.
1: right? And from there, it explodes.
0: Wow. It really brings some soberness into the idea of wealth creation.
1: If you save 5% a year, it will take you 66 years to retire. Hmm. You save 10%, it will take you 51 years. You save 50% of what you make, you can retire in 17 years. And if you can save like 90% of what you make, you can retire in under three years. It's all math. The problem is, most people are at the five and 10% savings rate, which is why they work till they're in their 70s. I know people who are consistently in that 30, 50, 60% savings rate, and literally within 10, 15 years, they can retire. So if they start at 21, they're done at mid 30s. You look at uh, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's first billion didn't come till his 50s. The only reason he's worth so much is he's still alive. And what is he like 80, 90 years old? <laughs> he had 40 years for that money to double.
0: It aligns with your profit first way of doing things because most of us, more money we make, the larger we live.
1: And so I tell people if this all seems complicated, just do one thing create one account name it profit, and just take 1% of all your revenue and put it in your profit account and see what happens at the end of three months. And at the end of three months, take the 1% and make it 2%. Just take 2%. You won't miss $2 out of 100. You'll use it for your Starbucks, right? If you start doing those little things and you just crank it up little by little over time, you will get into that rhythm where you truly can build wealth.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for a sobering way to think about wealth because a lot of times we're chasing that big win and to be honest most of us never uh, never going to win that big thing that's just going to change everything. You actually have to be sober in creating wealth the way that you're talking about. Rocky since I have you here and you talk about traditional ways of building wealth I want to get your take on building wealth through things like cryptocurrency, and all the other things that are happening right now.
1: So right now, the world is a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, cryptocurrency, uh, these NFTs, niftys that they're talking about, all of this stuff is speculation. It's not wealth building. So cryptocurrencies, unlike a business... So if I went out and I bought stock in a company... Mm -hmm. right? That company is creating revenue and showing a profit and increasing its value. Cryptocurrency doesn't increase its value. Cryptocurrency speculation is the next sucker after you willing to pay you more than you paid. Mm. And as long as you can find the next sucker, great. But at some point, that stops. And when it does, the markets collapse. Bitcoin's like this. Now people are, are paying ungodly amounts of money for, um I don't know, these crazy digital pictures. Like a digital picture has no value. A Monet has value, but a digital picture that I can copy a thousand times has no value, and yet people are putting value to that. That to me is absurd. Yeah, if you can make money at it, great, but I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those things, Rocky, where it's almost
0: like cryptocurrency is not going anywhere with all the companies jumping on board and people putting billions into it it's like okay I me mean, well this doesn't look like it's going anywhere now so do you get in do you get out do you you don't want to miss the
1: boat that kind of thing so let's look at the internet right yeah. the internet is essentially i don't know not even 30 years old mm-hmm. who is the first people on the internet aol where's aol today the first broadband was at home. Where's at home today? Mm. Right? They're gone. Anyone using, what was it? Mozilla? I don't even remember some of those early browsers. Maybe you, some of you are still hanging out on MySpace talking to your friends. <laughs> right? I don't know. Is, is the concept of cryptocurrency going to happen? Yes. Is it going to happen with these early systems? Probably not. I think what's going to happen is and it's already happening, China's creating their own cryptocurrency. The United States will have its own crypto-like currency. So those things are going to happen. Maybe there will be a world cryptocurrency where the United States and Europe and and a bunch of countries come together and say We're creating this cryptocurrency. And with a stroke of the pen, and let's not forget that FDR did this back in the 30s. In a stroke of the pen, he said, you can't own gold. That was back when our currency was based on gold. Today, Joe Biden come out, stroke of a pen and say, Bitcoin and all these cryptocurrencies are no longer legal. You will buy the Federal Reserve's US dollar cryptocurrency. That's it. We're done. So can that happen? Absolutely. Will it? I have no idea. Can you make money? Yes. Can you lose money? Yes. i rather put my time and efforts into systems where I have a greater chance of payoff that's guaranteed than trying to swing for the fences and win, because more often than not, most people don't win.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you suggest is a way to get started in the traditional way of building
1: wealth? Start with that dollar, right? You saw what happened with the penny. Mm. If you just start automating your savings, so it comes back. Let's talk about Parkinson's law again, right? Mm. We all know about lifestyle inflation. No matter how much you make, it seems that your lifestyle is just a little bit ahead of it, isn't it? Mm. And so what if we started to constrain ourselves? And before we got paid, we pay ourselves first and have money get taken out and invested. So invested in real estate, invested in stocks, invested in bonds, invested in cryptocurrency. (laughs) You know, take money out and invest it in a wise and prudent way on a regular and systematic basis. And every year, most people make more than they made the year before, right? Mm. So as your business grows, as your income grows, increase your savings as quickly as you're increasing your income so that while your lifestyle's growing, your savings are also growing and they go hand in hand. Mm. And so while you still have lifestyle creep, it's at a little bit slower rate because you're also pulling a little bit off the top to build savings. Mm. And again, this is a slow system. It takes time, it takes years, but it's guaranteed to work over time.
0: What is the number one book that you would suggest for an early entrepreneur?
1: I, this is a new book that I am just started reading. It's by Donald Miller. It's called Business Made Simple. It's relatively new. What's cool is he breaks it down to 60 days, Each day is just a couple of pages, and he's taking some very big concepts and making them simple for the business owner to understand. Mm. And one of those concepts is, you know, he describes your business like a plane, and he says, the main part of the plane is your overhead. And here's the thing, on your left wing and your right wing are two motors, right? One of them is marketing and one of them is sales. Well, if your overhead, the main part of the plane, is too big for those wings to take off, you're going to suffer. So you've mm-hmm. got to make sure that you don't have a lot of overhead. You've got to make sure your marketing and sales are in conjunction. And the fuel for that airplane is cash flow. So you've got to make sure you have cash flow. So he takes these big concepts, breaks them down to very simple understanding topics And it's over 60 days, and every day he's even got a short five-minute video that you can get for free that kind of also expounds on that topic. And so within 60 days, you will have a good framework of truly how to run your business.
0: Thank you, Rocky, for sharing so much with us. We always end by asking, what has faith meant to you on your journey?
1: So I'm assuming when you talk about faith, you're talking about spirituality or are you talking in faith? Yeah. So every every morning I wake up with the same thoughts, thank God. (laughs) You know, if you are listening to this, chances are you make more than $33,000 a year. And if you make more than $33,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of this world for income. Are you living that life? Are you grateful and thankful for what you have? And that to me comes down to that faith and spirituality of thanking God that I've been blessed. And part of that is giving back and understanding that, you know, I can do my best, but a lot of my talents and what I've been are all God-given talents. And so part of what our job in life is, is to figure out our God-given talents and to put them to good use. And so I think... At the core, that's what it's all about.
0: Rocky, you've given us a lot to think about, a lot of soberness and sanity to bring to the way we do things. These tips are always things that you can implement into whatever stage of business you're in. So thank you so much for being with us and thank you for this conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was so enjoyable to be with you today.
0: To connect with Rocky Lalvani, go to profitcomesfirst.com. That's profitcomesfirst.com. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do leave a review. Let us know how we can serve you better. And let us know what kind of guests you'd like us to bring on and what exactly it is that you'd like to know. Also connect with us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or visit our website www.reinventingperspectives.com where you can grab a free preview of our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. Thank you so much for listening in. We absolutely value your time and we value your input. Have a great day.